You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Y'all go ahead and grab a seat. Hey, if you have your Bible, turn to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. We're going to get going quickly here. Hey, I want to ask, you don't have to answer this out loud, but do you believe what you just say, that Jesus, I would be lost without you. I, again, First John chapter two, as you're turning there, or keep turning there, First John chapter two. I, one of the reasons I love that song, one, because you all sound so good singing. I mean, it's so cool to hear our, our, our people singing that song. Love it, love it, love it. But also, if there's a song that portrays this idea of, of passion for the Lord, that, that's got to be one of them. That God, I, I wanna be like you, and even building that on, the gospel, I want to be like you because you gave your life for me and I'd be lost without you. Is that your heart posture this morning? Like, I would say if, if you can sing that song or be in, that, in this room and not be a little stirred for the Lord when we're singing that, then you need, you need to check what's going on in your heart. I'm not throwing shade. I just mean like, really, that's, that's, I would say that kind of factually. If you can sing that and not be moved at all, not just emotionally, but in your spirit and you say you're a believer, something is a little amiss. Do you really believe that? God, I'd be lost without you. You know, believe it or not, God wants your whole heart. He, he is not content. He's not satisfied. He's not pleased with just ritual going through the motions. Now, is there time, are there times as a believer where you're gonna have to lean in and you don't feel like following Jesus and you do it anyways? Yes, right, for sure. But he, he longs for us to long for him. Like think about like, if, if you're uh, married or have a dating relationship, like your, your spouse or your boyfriend, girlfriend is not content with you just being like, yeah, we'll date, it's fine, whatever, it's cool. <laughs> like, no, they want you to want them, right? Y'all with me? If your spouse is just like, yeah, I'm glad we're married, it's fine, it's good. It just makes sense logically that we're married. Like, what? Like, no, they want love, they want passion. God wants that from you. He wants your heart. Here's the question I have for you this morning. Why is it vital for God to have my heart? Why is that so important? Why is it important that I'm not just apathetic coming to church because we live in Lubbock, Texas and everybody goes to church? Why is it, why is it important that I have some passion, some vigor for the Lord? And I don't mean extroverted, like hyper and loud like Brandon Hayes. I just mean like that you have a passion for the Lord regardless of your personality. Why is that vital that he, he has a hold of your heart? Another way you could say it is, why is it vital that you love God and not just know some things about him, not just go through the motions, but that you actually love him? And by the way, love is not some uncontrollable emotion, right? Love is, biblically speaking, is when you desire something, you're devoted to it, you're, you're dedicated to it. So it's not just about how you feel, but you say, I know God is bigger or better than anything or anyone. So because of that, I desire him. I'm gonna devote myself to him. I'm gonna dedicate myself to knowing him. Why is it important that that is your mindset? That is your heart posture. Why is that so incredibly vital? First John chapter two is gonna help us understand that. He says in verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. He says, don't love the world, verse 15, or the things in the world. I think we gotta make sure we understand what's going on there so we don't get lost in translation. Uh, Lauren and I took our, our twins for their four-year-old checkup the other day, and at four years old, you have to get a shot. Well, we, we've chosen to do that anyways. So uh, we, we take them to uh, the doctor. They get the shots that morning. Well, after KDO that day, uh, I'm walking with the kids, Carolina Tate and Haddon, and David Maddox, our worship pastor here in the venue, is walking with his, his little girl, Millie. We're walking back to the gym, walking to our offices. And I said, Carolina Tate, tell, tell Mr. David what, what we did today. She, she stops in the gym. She says, we went to the doctor. And I said, well, yeah, tell him what happened. Straight face as she could be, she said, the doctor shot me. <laughs> I was like, uh, not really. David knew what she meant, right? But So somewhere there's a little confusion on how to say that. And I think if we're, bad things could happen if we get confused on what he says when he says, don't love the world. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Is he saying that we shouldn't love a good, perfectly grilled medium steak? I hope not. <laughs> Is he saying that we shouldn't love walking outside in the sun, feeling the sun on our face? Is he saying that we shouldn't love the sound of laughter or the beauty of music? No, that's, that's, that's not what he's saying. That we need to interpret the Bible with the Bible. He says, don't love the world or, any, or anything in the world, the things of the world. And skip down to verse 16. He says, for everything in the world, and I'm just gonna clarify what he means by everything in the world. He says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father. So he gives us these, these three things. So just for clarity, he's not saying we don't love some of the things in the world. Th those are good gifts from God. Amen, like we're in Texas, beef is from God, okay? Like there's lots of good things from God. He's not saying don't enjoy those, don't love those. He's saying here's what you have to be careful for. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possession one's possessions. Lust of the flesh. That's living my life by what feels good. Which just, as a little heads up, is not a wise way to live your life. Like, what's that old, I think a Dirk's Bentley song? I know what I was feeling, but what was I thinking? Right, like, it was not good. It's, it's living your life and letting your desires, your fleshly desires control you. So, so oftentimes, just to name a few, oftentimes like we see this with the desire for sex. Is sex a gift from God? Yes, it is, but has boundaries, just like a good fireplace or a good fire in your home is a fire that has boundaries, right? A fireplace, a fire out on the living room floor is not a good thing, okay? Uh, sex is like that. God gave it boundaries. And within those boundaries, it's good. But if you let your desire for it control you, it'll wreck your life. The desire for food, the desire to be angry at somebody, that desire, that fleshly impulse to, to push other people down. Is the lust of the flesh, you gotta watch out for it. The lust of the eyes, that's living life by whatever looks good. So it's not just what feels good, but it's kind of the idea that it really, there's a very similarly, similarly tied together. But he's saying, you, when you, lust of the eyes is 
whatever looks good, you just assume it must be good. So even if God told me this isn't good, so this kind of relationship or talking this way or looking at these things or talking about these people, God says, these things aren't good. But when you live by the lust of the eyes, it looks good to you. So you figure, "Ah, God doesn't know what he's talking about. This is what happened with Eve in the garden, right? She saw the fruit and saw it was pleasurable. It looked good, so she ate it. Just because it looks good doesn't mean it is good. And also, the danger here is you begin to value or assign worth to people or things based strictly on the outside. Mary Poppins has got it right. The cover is not the book, so open it up and take a look, right? <laughs> like, the cover is not all that there is. Just don't live that way. And he says one more, pride in one's possessions. So living life by what feels good, living life by what looks good, and pride in one's possessions really is living life by what makes me look good. Pride in one's possessions. So, which man's Americans, we struggle with this big time, right? So I've gotta have whatever is gonna make me happy and my worth and my value is gonna be built on what I have. So if that, whatever that thing is, will make me look better or have more power or more influence or more popularity, then I must have that thing. And now that I have that, I'm if I have pride in my possessions, now I'm gonna feel like I'm better than you because I have whatever this is, Right? Gotta have it, because that's where my identity is. John says, don't love those worldviews. What is a worldview? It's the lens through which you see the world, right? Easy way to remember that. Everyone has a worldview. It's the lens through which you see the world. So just like when you put on sunglasses and you're looking all cool, right? It, It gives the whole world that you see a certain shade Your worldview, your beliefs do that, right? You see the world through a certain lens. And here's what John is saying. Don't love the worldview that leads you to find your greatest pleasure and purpose in this world. Which that's what all the world does, right? Is it says everything you need, all your purpose, all your pleasure is found right here in this world. So pursue it all right here. And John's saying, don't do that. If you think back to 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 and Ephesians 2.2, 2, we learn from Paul that this world, this life is under the influence of Satan. So when you put on and live your life through the worldview of the world, of culture, the lens of culture, you're actually following, you're actually submitting to a worldview from Satan. So John's saying, don't do that. Don't love this world. Don't follow the ways, the culture, the belief systems of this world. And here's why that's so stinking vital. Remember, what the question is, why is it vital for God to have my heart? Go back up to verse 15. Here's the key. He says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It is vital for God to have my heart Because if he doesn't, the world does. It's vital for God to have my heart. Because if he doesn't, if I don't love him, he doesn't control my heart. I've not surrendered my love, my affections, my pursuit, my desires, my dedication to him. Then I've submitted submitted it to the world. I've given it over to the ways of this world. And I love that he says in verse 15, if 
anyone loves the world. So you can't point and say, well, man, like, I grew up in church. I know a lot about the Bible. And uh, I went to this youth camp one time. I went to you not a weekend. It was awesome. He's saying, I don't care what your story is. If you love the world, if your greatest pleasure and purpose is in the world, then God doesn't have your heart, regardless of whatever else you would point to. Either God has your heart or the world does. And, and it's as if that wasn't enough reason to want to be passionate about God and, and be all in for Jesus. Look at what he says in verse 17. And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. I, I would say it this way. Second reason why it's so vital for God to have your heart is this. It's vital for God to have my heart because when every sure thing surely fails, he remains. When every other sure thing surely fails, he remains. Everything in this life, in this world, that we would try to attach as a sure thing, attach ourselves to as a sure thing that yes, this will provide me with pleasure or this will give me purpose and value and worth in life. Every other thing other than Jesus will surely fail. It's gonna fade away. You can live your life by the worldview that says, do whatever feels good and y'all, it's not gonna lead to happiness. You can live your life by the idea that says, whatever looks good, that must be what's right. By the way, like, trends change. I think about my, my Mimi, she's like 95 now, and she's like, Brandon, if I kept my clothes through all the decades, I could be trendy all the time, right? Because this is just always changing, right? It always fades. Like her glasses that were not cool 10 years ago are suddenly like, Mimi is hip, right? Like, because it's, it's always changing. Mimi, I love you if you're watching, probably not, but... If you live your life by whatever I have, that's my identity, man, that's gonna fail you. Or it's gonna be stripped away from you. The only thing that remains that will surely never fail is Jesus Christ. And he says in verse 17, the one who does the will of God remains forever. So if I love God, not the world, if I make my greatest pleasure and purpose Jesus, not the things of this world, then I'm gonna also spend eternity with Jesus in heaven with him forever. Saved by grace through faith. And it's evidence that salvation by grace through faith by my love for Jesus, that he has my heart. So here's really a big question for you to consider this morning, for me to consider. What do I love. It's not real crazy, but it's critical. What do I love? Really, really two possible answers if you would say, man, I don't feel like I really love God. Like maybe you would say even as a Christian, like I, I think I love God, but man, my, I feel like I, I'm kind of caught up in the things of this world. Or, or maybe you would just say, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Really 
Two possible solutions. If, if your first response to that is not, yes, I love God. I'd be lost without him. He is what I'm desiring and dedicated to. I'm pursuing him. Like really two possible things to consider. One is that you're not a Christian, that you, that you don't know Jesus. It says, if, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. So you, you, you can't love the world with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He said, one or the other. So if you don't love God this morning, it's possible you, you, you just don't know him. Friend, I wanna invite you, not like, yeah, so you don't know him, so you're not welcome here. Are you kidding me? No, that's why we're here. Because the gospel is exclusive in that you have to know Jesus to know God and go to heaven, but it's inclusive in that anyone can come to the foot of the cross, amen? So if you don't know Jesus, I wanna invite you to know him this morning, to, to see that he paid the price for your sins on the cross, the perfect life you couldn't live, and he offers you forgiveness and hope and life and you will turn from your sin and turn to him. St. Augustine said it this way, our hearts are restless until they rest in him. Like, you, friend, you, if you don't know Jesus, you're gonna, you could pursue all the different things of this world with the different lenses of, I'm gonna live life by what, what feels good, I'm gonna live life by what looks good, I'm gonna live life by see how much I can accumulate for myself and make it all about me. But none of that is going to ultimately satisfy you. Your heart will be restless until it rests in him. And Jesus this morning is inviting you in saying, come on home, my arms are open. Another option that, and so your love for God is cold this morning. Another option is that your heart has just wandered. You've, you've, a way you can maybe say it's kind of drifted from the Lord. Think about, uh, it's been cold lately, right? You think about, if you've got a fire in the fireplace, I'm not talking about sex anymore, different conversation. <laughs> you, got, you got a fire in the fireplace and you pull that log out of the fireplace or you move it away from the other logs, it, it grows cold, right? And our hearts are like that. Sometimes we, we grow distant from Jesus and our heart grows cold. Y'all tracking with that? So for some of us, maybe your heart has, has kind of wandered. Why do we do that as believers? By the way, if you're not sure, like if you're kind of stuck on, well, man, it seems kind of black and white, like either you fully love God or you love the world. No, he's writing to believers and he's telling believers, it's a present imperative command, meaning he's saying right now, it's like me telling my kids, looking at them saying, do this right now. He's telling believers, don't love the world. So clearly believers can struggle with this. So if you tend towards legalism and like, it's so black and white, either you love God or you love the world, like, hey, just chill, okay? Like, have some grace for once in your life, all right? Like, he's talking to believers, man, you're gonna struggle. Don't, don't love the world, pursue Jesus. But, but why do we do that? Why do, why do our hearts wonder? I wanna tell you, um, I, I, I gotta watch the clock here, but I'm gonna tell you a quick story that I think is helpful with that. Lauren and I were, <clears throat> had the privilege to go eat at, uh, her boss's house, I guess it was on about a month or so ago. There you are, somewhere, there she is. Um, making sure I'm telling the story right, I look for a head nod. <laughs> go, go eat at her boss's house about a month or a month and a half ago and there was gonna be, uh, I guess about six or eight of us, a few couples, and uh, left the house and, and on the way, I started thinking, man, I'm, get, I'm, getting, I'm getting a little bit hungry. Uh, I know we're gonna have dinner, the, the dinner party was at 
But I was thinking like, guys, do you ever do this where you're just like, you're getting so hungry, you just kind of make yourself nervous? You know what I mean? Am I, just, am I still in middle school? I don't know. But it's like, just kind of like, man, I'm just getting, I'm getting hungry. Well, Lauren's like, there's a Starbucks. Why don't you get you some, like, go get a banana bread or whatever from Starbucks. I was like, no, I'm fine. I'll be good. Well, we get closer to uh, Ren's house. And she says, oh, a bunch of people are texting. Some of the couples are texting and they're gonna be late. And as soon as she said that, I was like, I'm not gonna make it. <laughs> I'm so hungry. So I'm like, well, they're gonna be late. Because we were right there at the house. We were like 10, 15 minutes early, which actually never happens with us. And so, um, gotta fix my hair. Just kidding. <laughs> and so, <laughs> anyways, we, uh, I'm like, you know what? I, I'm so hungry. We, we gotta go get something to eat. And Lauren's like, Brandon, we're right here at their house. I'm like, I'm starving. So we drive back towards 50th and they're like, what is there? And she's like, there's a roses. And I'm like, oh yeah, roses. So we get in line for roses. The line's pretty long. I get me a big old beef burrito. We get kind of stuck in line trying to get, get through roses. And by this time, Lauren's like, now Brandon, now we're gonna be late. And she's pointing out, you're not even gonna be hungry because you're eating a huge beef burrito from roses, right? I'm like, I don't even like beef burritos. And so we get to Ren's house and I'm making sure I, got, I don't have any salsa in my beard or whatever, right? And we go in and I'm thinking, man, I, I just had this beef burrito <laughs> and it's a dinner party. <laughs> so we go in, I kind of have to play it cool. Like, sure, I would love some chips and salsa, right? And uh, we eat the meal and the whole time I'm trying to act like I'm hungrier than I really am because I was already full and satisfied from a rose beef burrito, which I don't even really like. What happened there? First of all, it was silly for me. As we're driving to Ren's house, I was kind of getting never told Ren this, one day I will, I guess, but I was kind of like, man, flustered at the thought of what if Ren doesn't have the food ready when we get there? <laughs> you ever been there before? Like going to someone's house? I, we were, I was driving like, man, what if she doesn't have the food ready? And that's how I talked myself into this. It would have been silly to be really mad at Ren when the reality is we have food at our house and I could have eaten all day long, Right? Like I wasn't, I wasn't slotted only to eat at 6.30 at Ren's house. Like, no, we live in Lubbock. There's fast food joints on every stinking corner. We have animal crackers galore at our house, right? Like, no, the problem was I, I didn't avail myself of, of the food that's already been given to me. And so I kind of spazzed out and filled up on some junk rather than wait and just have a good home-cooked meal. You see where I'm going with this? How often do we ignore the good gifts God has given us to delight in him and grow in him through reading the Bible, through fellowship with other believers, through going on a hike somewhere and just focusing on God's creation, through talking with the Holy Spirit, communing with him in prayer? How often do we avoid that? And then we get to this point in our life where we're like, well, I'm just, I'm, God, I'm just hungry. You're not really satisfying me, so I'm gonna go somewhere else. So then we skip out on the perfect, amazing, good things God has prepared for us, and we go kind of short, short circuit, circumvent that, and we go the fast food route and fill up on the junk of the world. And then we wonder why when we spend time with God, we're, we're not really satisfied. We're already kind of full. We're already kind of satisfied with the things of this world because we chose to chew, to chow down on junk food. And whose fault was that? It was mine. I could have eaten all day, waited, got hungry and freaked out and impatient and ate junk food. We do that in our Christian life all the time, don't we? We fill up on, on junk because we get impatient. Another thing I, I would say about that quickly 
is once I got my mind on that beef burrito, it was over, right? Like we're, we're going to Wren's, but, and I kept, even as we're watching the clock and we're driving further and further towards Roses and away from Wren's house, I'm thinking, man, we're gonna be cutting it close. <laughs> and, but the reality is, is because I had that beef burrito on my mind, I wasn't turning around. The way I could have said, you know what? I do have control of my stomach. I don't have to go get a beef burrito from Roses. What I could have done is put my mind back on the home-cooked meal that Wren and her husband were preparing, right? Thomas Chalmers says it this way. The only way to dispossess the heart of an old affection is by the expulsive power of a new one. To translate that maybe a little bit, I'll say it one more time. The only way to dispossess the heart of an old affection is by the expulsive power of a new one. You could say it this way. How do you dislodge something from the human heart? You replace it with something more beautiful. How do you drive out this love for the world? Maybe even as a believer, you kind of begin to love the things and the ways and the belief patterns of the world. How do you drive that out? You replace it by fixing your eyes on Jesus, amen? There's nothing better. There's nothing more satisfying him. So I I quit gazing on the things of the world and I fix my eyes, as Colossians says. I, I set my eyes on things above. I set my eyes where Christ is seated. And that as I see his beauty, his majesty, it drives out of me, the expulsive power, it it exposes out of me, if that's the word, love for the things of this world, because I see that he's greater, he's better. That's why when you go to the beach, you don't see anyone sitting on the edge of the beach with virtual reality goggles on, right? If you do, go slap them. Like, Like, what is wrong with you? Or no one's standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon, like with virtual reality goggles dancing, right? Like, No, because what is in front of them is more beautiful, is better, is more satisfying than these silly virtual reality goggles. Same way with the Lord. When you begin to see the the majesty, the beauty of Jesus, you lose a taste, you lose a hunger for the things of this world because nothing satisfies like Him. So so how do you do that? What do we do? I, I think first, you just ask God, to change your affections, to, to change your love, to kill apathy in your life and to give you a passion for the things of God. God, would you help me? Do you think God likes answering prayers like that? Come on, come on. Yes. It's like if I've had my little four-year-old, dad, would you teach me how to be patient? I would love to, bro. Like, I would love to. When we, go, we come to God, Lord, would you give me, would you drive out apathy from my life and a passion for the things of this world? Would you give me a passion for you? He delights in that kind of prayer, y'all. When God, would you teach me to dig into scripture and to delight in the things of God as I read your word? He loves answering that kind of prayer. I mean, give, give us some friends this week and, and talk about what does it look like to get your eyes off of the things and the ways of this world and and put on a a new lens, a gospel lens and begin to pursue and love the things of Jesus. In a minute, we're gonna have a time of response. I'm gonna gonna invite you, ask you, uh, maybe your love has grown cold for the Lord. I'm gonna invite you just to simply to come down front and just talk to the Lord. You're not gonna have to talk to anybody unless you want to, but just come down front and just say, Lord, would you stir a new fresh fire, passion and love for you? Would you drive out a love for the things of this world? I'm gonna ask you again when the time comes, just come and do that. But maybe this morning you don't know Christ. Again, you, you, 
you love the world because you don't have the love of the Father, there are gonna be some folks down front and they'd love to talk with you, pray with you about what it means to trust Jesus. But before we have that time of response, I wanna read this prayer to you. And I would love for you, as you're listening to this, to, re- to really agree with it and make this your prayer. And as soon as I'm done with this prayer, I'm gonna have you stand and we're gonna sing and we're gonna respond. So let me read this prayer to you. If it helps to close your eyes, you can, or you can just keep them open, doesn't matter. Lord Jesus, give me to love thee, to embrace thee. Though I once took lust and sin in my arms, you loved me before I loved thee. An enemy, a sinner, a loathsome wretch. You owned me when I disclaimed myself. You loved me as a son and weep over me as over Jerusalem. Love brought you from heaven to earth, from earth to the cross, from the cross to the grave. Love caused thee to be weary, hungry, tempted, scorned, scourged, buffeted, spat upon, crucified, and pierced. Love led thee to bow thy head in death. My salvation is the point where perfect created love and the most perfect uncreated love meet together. For you welcome me, not like Joseph and his brothers, loving and sorrowing, but loving and rejoicing. This love is intermittent, is not intermittent, cold, changeable. It does not cease or abate for all of my hatred. Holiness is a spark from your love, kindled to a flame in my spirit, uh, excuse me, in my heart by thy spirit. And so it ever turns to the place from which it comes. Let me see your love everywhere, not only in the cross, but in the fellowship of believers and in the world around me. When I feel the warmth of the sun, may I praise thee who art the son of righteousness with healing power. When I feel the tender rain, may I think of the gospel showers that water my soul. When I walk by the riverside, may I praise thee for that stream that makes the eternal city glad and washes white my robes that I may have the right to the tree of life. Your love is a mystery of mysteries and my eternal rest is in the eternal enjoyment of your love. If y'all would stand with us, we're gonna sing a song that you, it's kind of an old school song, but I want you to make this your prayer that you would love God, that you would long for Him like a deer pants for water. If you need to come down to the front and just pray and say, God, would you stir my love for you? Would you help me to make you my first love? I would beg you to do that, urge you to do that. If you don't know Christ, I'm gonna invite you to come and talk to one of the folks that's gonna be down here at the front. Let me pray and they're gonna come to be down here at the front. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you take care of us, how you how you speak to us. Lord, I pray that right now in this moment, you would stir passion for you. You would drive out old loves for the world and stir up new loves for you, Jesus. God, would you draw people to yourself as we sing this song? It's in your wonderful name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.
God, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, we apologize for so often looking to the world for satisfaction, Lord. We want our whole hearts to be yours. Our whole hearts desire to delight in you. Lord, we love you so much and we pray that you would make this true in our hearts, Lord. We love you so much and it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Y'all can grab a seat just for a moment. Man, uh, so grateful y'all are here to worship with us today. Hey, if you would still like to respond or have a question about something at Southcrest, maybe you wanna uh, have some help finding a small group or wanna learn ways to give, maybe just find out about all the different events going on, you can scan that QR code in front of you and there's all kinds of information there. Or uh, I'll be back at the Welcome Center in a few minutes, myself and some other folks. We'd love to help you with any questions you may have. We'd also love to meet you if you're a first-time guest. If you're a first-time guest, we actually have a small gift for you that we'd love to put in your hand. So again, we'd love to meet you back at the Welcome Center um, back in the back of the room here in just a minute when we're dismissed. Also, a couple of things to make you aware of. Where are the ladies at in the house? Uh, there we go, all right. We got two exciting conferences coming up you can be a part of in April. One is the If Gathering. It's a one-day event on April 2nd. Tickets are $15 featuring Jamie Ivey and Pursue Worship. Um, oh, that's not true. Sorry, it's the If Gathering. I, got, I read my things together. That's why they don't, they don't let me do the announcements very often. Anyways, um, so If Gathering, April 2nd. But then also on April 29th is the Worthy Conference, and that is what is featuring Jamie Ivey and Pursue Worship. Those tickets are $35. You can scan that QR code in front of you. Click on the events and registrations button. You can sign up right through there. Or again, you can go to the Welcome Center. We can help you back there. Where are the men at? Oh, yeah, man. I don't think ever in the history of the venue have the men been louder than the women. Let's celebrate. Yeah. Let's go, men. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, there's nothing to tell you. I'm kidding. No, not really. Uh, men, we have the men's retreat March 24th to 25th. Gonna be an awesome time. Uh, be sure to scan the QR code. Also sign up for that. If you haven't got the hint, the QR code is like everything you need in life besides Jesus, okay? So make sure you scan that. You can sign up for Men's Retreat or go back to the back. And the one final thing, this, I don't think this will come as a surprise to you uh, because a lot of you are familiar with the generosity of Southcrest, of the people of Southcrest. But one of the things that Southcrest as a church does to um, encourage faithfulness in pastors, but also equip them for longevity, is every 10 years they send uh, the church sends pastors on a sabbatical and the, a month-long sabbatical. And the purpose of that is really that the pastor goes and has a time of refreshment in the Lord, but also comes back with renewed vision for what God is doing here at Southcrest and it comes back ready for another 10 years of grind. And so uh, Lauren and I have been, this coming May will be 12 years here at Southcrest, but this next month we're gonna go on a month-long sabbatical. And uh, man, we are incredibly grateful for the opportunity to do that. But I also want you to know, we're, we're gonna miss the mess out of y'all, if that's a phrase. <laughs> it's like, you can ask our staff, you can ask Lauren. I've been kind of anxious leading up to this because, man, I, I love what I get to do. I love how Lord, the Lord is working here at Southcrest. I love you guys. Um, but I want you to know, you're gonna be in good hands. You have the best staff on the planet and got a great team filling the pulpit the next four weeks that I'm out. And so be praying for them. I'm gonna, if I can, I would love to close the service in prayer um, because I'm gonna miss you guys. But also I'm gonna ask that this next four weeks, that you, if you think about Lauren and I and think where is that fool, when you think that, um, I would love for you to pray for Lauren and I just that we'd be, have a time of refreshment and come back ready uh, for another, another 10, 12 amazing years. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for, Lord, just this, this amazing group of students in front of me and um, what you've done this weekend in their lives. 
God, thank you for this incredible church and the way you're working here. We see you working day in, day out, week after week, changing lives, saving people, people getting serious about following you, people learning what it means to live out their faith in the marketplace. And God, we're, we're grateful for that. Lord, I pray uh, just for, for the coming days that you would bless these people, God, that they would grow richer and deeper in their love for you, God. And like Ephesians says, they would grow in their understanding of how much you love them. Lord, if, if they're prone to doubt that, would they look to the cross as the reminder of your love for them and your perfect grace and mercy to them? God, I pray for just continued growth in our spiritual gifts, God, that we will learn to continue to uh, see what it means to serve you and, and glorify you in all that we do. God, we love you. We're grateful for the small group time we're about to have and I pray that you would just bless us this day. It's in your powerful name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. We love you guys. You're dismissed. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 